Hello and welcome back to Rhythms of Grace. Uh, I'm here with Sung and Oop. Nate. Hello. And we are continuing in our series. And you are. Oh, and I'm Christine. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't know what that's in reference to, listen to last week's episode. Yes, yeah. Because um, we are continuing in our series, um, Shift Happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're talking about how to discern the right decision, and mm-hmm. Sung, you left us on a cliffhanger last time. You said there's a critical question that we need to ask. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I speak from personal experience and through the stories of many, many other people. But when it comes to decision-making, I find that what drives a lot of our decisions is fear. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're pushed by fear versus being led by love. Mm-hmm. Um, or led by like a calling, yeah. right? And so like you may take a job because you're afraid that you're not going to be provided for yeah. mm-hmm. versus you're called because you love, you know, this is, this is your sweet spot and God has called you to this and you love uh, where this is taking you and who, who it's calling you to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I worked in the financial industry and I would say that fear was one of the primary decision-making tools that like this, I wasn't in sales. I was part of the support, but um, that the salespeople used, like you're going to run out of money. Like mm-hmm. you're going to be old and you're not going to have enough money to live on. You're going to end up like that. They use that all the time. It mm-hmm. was one of their primary ways to get people to, to like, sign on the dotted line mm-hmm. was fear yeah so fear i think can make you do a couple of things it'll keep you from doing what you really want to do because you're afraid of whatever it is mm-hmm. disappointing your parents or not living up to people's expectations or whatever it is but it can also have you do things that you don't want to do mm-hmm. i've talked to people who are like yeah i'm going to med school but really what i want to do is be an artist mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know and uh and those are totally legitimate. And I think fear is just, you, we will never get rid of fear. Mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of acknowledging it and articulating it, which I think is the first step in disarming mm. fear itself, right? Because if not, then you are just at the mercy of fear driving your decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there, like, fear does have a role. It does. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I think it's important that I don't say you shouldn't be afraid. Like you should, you should, <laughs> you should be afraid, mm-hmm. you know? But what I often say to my kids, uh, not so much now, but when they were younger, I would say courage is not the absence of fear. Mm-hmm. It's being full of fear and doing what needs to be done anyways, doing the right thing. So yeah. um, when we're making decisions, fearfulness, I think can be a very helpful signpost, mm-hmm. but it's not the only signpost. You know, sometimes yeah. it's pointing us in the direction we shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the fear, in, on one hand, is a gift. Yeah. Because it prevents you from d- dangerous situations. Yeah. Right? It prevents you from falling off the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I say that, I, I picture my son, Micah. I think he was what, uh, I, I, he was very young, and we were walking alongside the south rim of the Grand Canyon, and he's just, and there's you know it, it was uh, it wasn't the middle of summer, so there was some snow and stuff, and he's bouncing around trying to evade the snow. And one time he takes a step, and we like just about had a heart attack because oh, he was so close to the edge. We're like, <laughs> my God! We grabbed it, and again, like, so fear can be a gift. It yeah. is a gift, mm-hmm. but we often overcompensate mm-hmm. and, and use it for self protection. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that's that's the tricky thing about about fear is that it can feel like wisdom because so often it is. It's it's a way that that God allows us to make good decisions, right? Is is having those instincts. Um, but I know like one of my friends, she, she said uh, something along the lines of like, oh, I'm really actually grateful that I have so much anxiety because I've thought through every single potential outcome that has ever happened and to an ex or could happen, um, which to an extent is it, it, it feels like wisdom, but it can also be death to, to the soul. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard to find that balance, right? I think the, I think the key, if you're, if you're experiencing fear is digging down to like, what am I, what is my fear? Yeah. Not mm -hmm. simply fear tells me what I should do, but like, what, what is this fear telling me is sort of at the foundation of what I'm thinking or feeling or, mm -hmm. or living out. Yeah. So when you think back on your life, can you think of a time when you made dis a decision out of fear instead of love? Yes. <laughs> Christine? <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. No, I mean, I've said this before, but I, I and I've, all, I'm, I've been pretty transparent about my issues with anxiety. I've been afraid for my whole life. I mean, I, I remember having like perpetual stomach aches as an elementary school student and not really knowing what they were. It was just anxiety. You know, I had it from earliest memory. Um, so most of my decisions for much of my life were based on fear. Mm -hmm. So it's like pick one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Marrying a, no. No, I, think, I was actually going to say that should be a huge caveat because yeah. that I was not, a, that was not one, but yeah. everything else. Yeah. I feel like f for me, I'm, I'm of the personality where I'm like, because I, I don't have anxiety. I tend to make, uh, you know, Happy if anything, lucky. yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, I, I don't make decisions out of fear, but, but when you, when you really think about it, it's like, Oh, you know, the, the fears that do get me are, are the fear of disappointing others mm. or, um, or, or making the wrong decision at certain points in my life. Um, or, uh, really the, the deep fear of, of not being enough. Mm. And so it's like, okay, I've got to do this and this and this so I can be enough for this or this person or um, this job. And so I think, yeah, it's easy to be like, oh, my, you know, my decisions aren't really made out of fear. But I mean, I think for all of us, there, there are real things that we're afraid of yeah. and admitting it is, is huge. I had a I had a unfortunate season of my life where basically if I was afraid of something I forced myself to do it. It mm. was it, it was a really backwards attempt to navigate anxiety, um, and it basically like if I was afraid of something I was like all right I'm just gonna have to do this. Mm -hmm. that, am I, do I feel scared to go talk to that person? I guess I'm gonna go talk to him. Mm -hmm. It was not healthy, but literally every decision was like if I'm afraid I'm gonna go do it. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty quickly I realized like oh yeah I mean there, there's good things that I'm afraid of. Mm -hmm. You know like I'm not gonna try to jump off the top of this building or whatever yeah. even though I'm afraid to do it. But uh, you know fear even people that are like trying to confront their fear can be making decisions. How do I say this? Even if you feel like it's in uh, in contrast to your mm -hmm. fear, it was still, for me, yeah. fear was what was driving the decision. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, uh, last episode, I talked about my love-hate relationship with water. And that's, yeah. you know, I was terrified of water. And so I, and I was like, okay, I'm going to join the swim team. I'm going to be the best swimmer. I'm never drowning. Uh, you know, and, and so that was like. Take that, water. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think of that again, for me, it's my personality. I'm like, oh, that wasn't made out of fear, but it, it was, mm-hmm. um, it was just my attempt to, to fight fear. Yeah, man. It's so nuanced because again, there are some times where it's like, yeah, your fear is, is what is keeping you from making the right decision. Mm-hmm. Or there are times when it's like fear is driving you to make the wrong decision. Like it's both. So how do you know when it's healthy, Nate? Because uh, when you said you used to make decisions, based on if you're afraid, you should do it. And on one hand, I know there's a form of therapy that helps you confront your fears exactly through that method. But then there are ways that kind of drives you to this neurotic kind of obsession, Mm -hmm. uh, trying to overcome your fear in that way. So how do you tell when that kind of confrontation is, is healthy or when it's unhealthy? Uh, that's that's what I tried to reference earlier, where for me it comes down to figuring out where what is the fear. You know, there there's often uh, something that I am believing or a tr- truth, whether it's true or not, that I am operating under that's driving that emotion. And identifying that is really what sort of creates the split. That either this is something that I confront or this is something that I sort of follow, you know? Yeah, I feel like digging down to not just like what is causing me anxiety, but what is the fear beneath that um, is is really big of like, yeah, there, I mean, in, in a lot of ways when I think of like the, the different times that I've had fear, it's like, okay, well, um, it, you know, like maybe even this decision that I would be making out of fear isn't the wrong decision, but knowing like why I feel like I have to do it, like what is driving me to feel like this is like, this has to be the right choice because this is what this person wants me to do. And I don't like, I'm afraid of disappointing them. Yeah. Okay. Acknowledging that. And is that valid or not? And then taking it out of the equation and seeing if anything changes. Um, makes a huge difference. Yeah. I was driving one of my daughters to the doctor, um, not too long ago and she was clearly distressed. Um, and when I I was like, what's, she's like, Oh, I hate going to the doctor. I hate doctors, blah, blah, blah. I hate just, she kept saying sort of like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Mm. Um, and I, and as we kept digging, finally she had, and this is what those truth statements often Um, this is often how they appear for me. Suddenly she just sort of blurted out, I'm afraid they're going to find something. Mm. I'm afraid they're going to find something. And realizing that all of these emotions that were stacked on top of that one statement were what was really driving all of her decision-making and her attitude and her presence in the car, her personal sense of anxiety. It was all sort of sitting on one very, very concise and clear statement. Mm -hmm. One very, very... A clear fear. And if you can identify that, it's like, oh, there's a lot of work to do to unpack that. But mm-hmm. suddenly we can get to a place where we're making progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's often what I try to find. Like if I can end up saying, I am afraid that. Mm-hmm. And if I can define that, that usually helps me begin to discern, is this something that I should be paying attention to? Is this some sort of you know, long-term wound that is driving me and I don't even realize it, but you've really got to dig deep to get that sometimes. Yeah. And we talked about us being like people being afraid that they might, they made the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And I think in general, we think, or we believe, especially in the West, uh, in the Western culture that uh, we, that we made a right decision if, if there was success. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And we say it was a wrong decision when there was failure. But my question is, is that really valid? And who is really deciding whether something is a success? Yeah, because those are, I mean, those are arbitrary, Mm -hmm. you know, those are Mm -hmm. arbitrary metrics as well. Yeah. Yeah. What, What would be a measure of success or failure? Because we often think, oh, yeah, I took this job. I love it. I make a lot of money. That was a success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But is that? I mean, I I feel I don't I feel like I I tend to look at things from a framework of personal growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like is this is this making is this something that either I decided I wanted to be better at or pursue or an experience that I really wanted to have or is this growing me in a way that I think is going to do good or is doing good for you know, my family and the people around me, that's more and more how I define success. Um, but that's been a hard fought definition to come to. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I lived most of my life that way at all. So say more about that journey. Well, um, I think, you know, again, I, I was a stockbroker for 10 years and you just, you, that is, that's a money driven, those were money driven decisions to stay in that every single time. Um, and, uh, and again, like 10 years is a long time. If think about a 10 year season, I did that job for 10 years and hated every single day. (laughs) Every, there was not a single day that I woke up where I was like, oh man, can't wait. (laughs) Never. (laughs) That's a long time (laughs) to live under the lie that how much money I earn is, is the sign of success. (laughs) But I did (laughs) 10 long years, man. Yeah, I would, uh, even as, as I ask that question, it goes back to what we've been, re- like, beating the same drum over and over again, yeah. right? It, it's a success if it helps, I think, a couple things. One, helps you, uh, helps you become the person God wants you to be, and uh, it, it is, it's a successful decision if it actually draws you closer to God, yeah. mm-hmm. which might mean that decision might lead to suffering and pain. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. what does lead you, to draw you closer to God is that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we often, again, define success as comfort and ease mm-hmm. and pleasure, and therefore it was the right decision, versus, oh, this was really hard. It's testing my character, but I, I, I must have missed God's will somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where in fact, let's say you take a job, and let's say you're great at it, but you become a worse person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that is totally possible. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's actually maybe successful on the outside. It's not really on the inside. Yeah. Um, a, a good friend of mine that I was talking to just last week was telling me he's going through a really hard season. And he said, you know, I have never been closer to God than I am right now. And mm-hmm. all of those prayers that I prayed, God, bring me closer to you. God, make me more dependent on you. God, help me, you know, see things from your perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like he is answering those and it, it, it hurts. Mm-hmm. It, I am, I, he is answering all of those prayers and it, this is the hardest season of my entire life. Like yeah. that, it can look like that, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, he's like, look, I'm ready to be done with this. But at the same time, I acknowledge that God is answering all those mm-hmm. prayers that I prayed right now. That is a dangerous prayer. It is, man. It is. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, uh, when you first asked the question, Sung, uh, my thoughts immediately went to like biblical examples. And I was like, almost always the people who are following God's will and who are making the right decisions in order to, you know, successful judges and leaders 
um, there was always suffering involved. And, yeah. you know, Gideon just, he got a great army and then most of them he had to kick out or, you know, Moses went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, no, thanks. Um, you know, like they, they just yeah. all encountered roadblocks. Mm. Um, but we like to, I mean, even like in the church world, right? Like a successful church, you know, looks like more people or more money coming mm. in and those can be indicators, mm-hmm. but sometimes following God's will looks like fewer people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Go ahead. I was just going to say one of the ways that, um, that I have found it helpful to drill down when you're trying to ask questions about fear um, is I think I read this in like a parenting book, but I may, or maybe it was like a management book. I don't know, but I think it's called like the five whys where you basically you like ask why five times, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. like, if there's a question, Sounds like a three-year-old kid. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, basically it's just trying to ask the, it's like trying to ask the next level down. Mm-hmm. So if you say, so for my daughter, for example, I, I hate going to the doctor. Why? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you like, if you keep asking mm-hmm. why eventually you can get to a place where you're sort of like, no, that's really it. Like that, yeah. that's really the very core of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even when you're sort of like experiencing difficulty and trying to figure out God, like, is this you, do you want me to sit in this difficult season? Mm-hmm. Same thing. You can just ask, you can just keep asking why, mm-hmm. like, why is this happening? Well, because this, this, and this. Well, why, why is that happening? Well, this, 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 and this. And you can reach a point where you're saying, oh, this is a learning experience, or this is, this is sort of the inevitable cost of growth that, uh, of, a, of a, a growth decision I made years ago or months ago. Like, that's why we're here. Great. Well, that means that we just sort of put our heads down and keep soldiering on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the ways that I do it Yeah, to drill I, that, down. That, I, that's a good question to ask. Why? Mm-hmm. Right? Incessantly. Yeah. Why? Again why? and again and again. Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not, I mean, you can ask it of God, but also to ask it of yourself, mm-hmm. sort of force yourself to think at the next level mm-hmm. to come up with an answer. Mm-hmm. Well, last episode we, I, I said that we, there's one critical question. Now I'm coming up like, and you just raised another one, which is asking why. And I said, does it draw you closer or further to God? Is it fear or love? I have another set of questions. Nice. I, so this, this one, you're getting more, we're under promising, uh, over delivering here. <laughs> But I think another question to ask, especially as you phase out of one season as, and as you enter into a new season or you're trying to discern things, it's always good to take time to take stock of what things were life-giving and what things were life-draining. Mm. And as you discern, <clears throat> um, you uh, again, I, like you, I'm just going to use jobs as an easy example because that's what I experienced mostly here in Ann Arbor. People move because of jobs, right? Like it could be like, oh yeah, I'm going to take a job because, and it's always because it gives, it's, it's more money. Yeah. Or it's the title that I've yeah, been, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus, oh, it, like what I don't often hear is, oh, like I know this really fits into who I am and it's going to be really life giving mm-hmm. versus, um, and so that's another important question to ask. And I think there are different stages and seasons of life where something that used to be life giving uh, there's a diminishing law of return there. And not that you don't enjoy it anymore, but you're just in a different season or mm-hmm. place. Um, and so I think it's always important to ask that, that, those questions. Is this life-giving? Is this life-draining? And that could be, going back to what we said earlier, 
maybe God doesn't give you an answer, but those are clues. Yeah. Those are mm-hmm. arrows that God is showing you yeah. to point you in that direction. And it's not always cut and dry. Here's yeah. another example. You know, my mom is currently caring for my grandmother who's in her um, mid to late nineties, um, has dementia. Like she has like zero short term memory at this point. Like she will read the same newspaper article like 15 times in a row. And every time it's like a revelation, you know? <laughs> so my mom goes and spends significant amounts of time with her several times a week. And so the question is, is that life giving? Is it life draining? I mean, I would say a lot of the time my mom comes away feeling drained, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's one of those things where it's not always so cut and dry. But again, if you start to dig down, Mm -hmm. like has, does she feel like she is called to care for her mother in her final days? Mm -hmm. Yes. So as you begin to dig down, it's like, well, that is life giving in a way that isn't maybe apparent right at the surface. Right. But if you are willing to sort of do the work and work your way down, you'll find, oh, no, there is, there is life there. Right, and that's where some of the other questions come into play, too. Like, it does, does this draw you closer to God? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of a parent, right? Yep. It, there's moments of life-giving, but it's definitely life, uh, it, it's sleep-draining. Yeah. Like, your energy-draining, <laughs> sure. right? Uh, no, no parent, new, no new parent would, of an infant would say, oh yeah, this is all life giving, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, they're tired, exhausted. However, uh, I, I know for myself and so many other people, like it was parenting, uh, being a, becoming a parent, even more so than marriage where you, where I start to feel like, oh my goodness, this is how I feel like towards my child. Mm. And you're, you know, just being blown away and just being amazed at a whole new depth of God's love for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so as as exhausting as that calling is, um, and, and as sleep draining and energy draining as that is, it, it does draw you closer to God. Yeah. And so to your point, yeah, like it's not whether you enjoy every moment of something. Right. Right. Like uh, case in point, my mom is actually, she's keeping a promise she made to her father mm-hmm. on, as, on mm-hmm. his deathbed where he was like, take care of your mother. So for her doing this now, she's, she says explicitly, I am keeping a promise I made to my father. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like mm-hmm. that's like, is it life giving to be a, the type of person that keeps your promises? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, does it bring you closer to God to be a person of your word? Yes, it does. So all of those things start to make sense. Even if many times she comes home and just is like, oh my goodness, that was brutal. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any thoughts or stories for from you christine uh yeah i guess one of the things that i was thinking about as as you were mentioning like that question is it life-giving or is it is it draining um also just realizing you know that that does change and not only um the law of diminishing returns but also god gifts us in different ways and calls us to different things in different stages of life Mm -hmm. um and that's where like answering that question and then going back to, am I doing this out of love or out of fear? Because when we are called to something and then we're called away from it, like f- fear can be what keeps us. Yes. Where, where love drew us there, it's fear can point. keep us. Yep, it's a great um, point. And so it's not always like this and then, you know, like that's the answer forever. Yeah. Right. right. That's, I love that line. I don't know if you've thought of that ahead of time, but lo- <laughs> what was it again? Like love, where love can draw us, fear can keep us. Mm-hmm. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if yeah. you're listening, tweet that right now. <laughs> yeah. Put it on Instagram. Share oh, it. Man. I think I think all of these things, you know, again, 
when we're talking about discernment, like these are questions that need to be asked regularly, yeah. not mm-hmm. just when you're at the point of trying to make a decision. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I, the older I get, the more important reflection feels to mm-hmm. me, you know? And I, again, I think when I was in my twenties and I think a lot of times when you're in your twenties, sort of your boundless energy and endless possibility lets you, you don't necessarily have to be as reflective, Mm -hmm. but as I sort of realize each decision feels like it carries more weight because I sort of have less time to course correct, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the more and more I realize like, Oh, I need to regularly be asking myself those exact Mm -hmm. type of questions. Is this bringing me life? Am I doing this out of love or out of fear? You know, Mm -hmm. um, is this, turning me into the person that God wants me to be asking those things on the regular is sort of what allows big decisions to fall into place. Yeah. And I think that's a good word for people in our twenties. Cause I'm, you know, it's, it's easy as we were talking about, uh, you know, throughout this, this discussion to wait till a big decision comes to be asking mm-hmm. these questions, especially for people in our twenties. Um, and, and that was, you know, I was, I was saying before we started this episode, like, that I, I've been kind of asking these questions myself, not about imminent changes, but like, okay, the, the trajectory I'm on, you know, in, in ministry, is this, is this a trajectory born out of of fear or uh, like, you know, fear of disappointing God or others or fear of not having enough or a consistent, you know, whatever, or is it out of love for, for the thing um, or love for God or love for people? Um, And I feel like, you don't have to have a transition or a change imminent to be asking those questions, mm-hmm. right? Even even if you have plenty of time to course correct <laughs> ahead of you. Yeah. Um, so I've been, you know, for me, it's been listing out like, okay, what are the aspects? What are the things that I'm afraid of that are going into like this trajectory or this decision or or what I'm doing day to day? And then what, what things draw me to it mm. and and are those at the root or is the fear at the root yeah um and really just drilling down on that again not not because change is imminent but because who we the decisions we're making today uh, affect the decisions we're making tomorrow yeah i think the other thing that i'm increasingly aware of is that the the number of people that my decisions influence has grown mm. um uh, as my children, you know, as I had more children and the, all the sort of things that we're involved in, um, just realizing like, oh, me being a, a jerk or being selfish or being checked out, like that mm-hmm. isn't just about, I mean, I remember, I remember when I was in college, I remember waking up on days and literally being like, I have nothing that I have to do today. Like literally zero responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that's just never the case for me anymore. Mm. And I don't regret that, but I'm aware of, of the decisions that I make about who I am and what I do impacting a broader and broader sort of circle of influence. Right. Also, when you were in college, the decisions you made primarily affected you. Yeah. I mean, it did affect your parents or your siblings, and but again, not as directly as they do now yeah. as a father and as a husband and so many other roles that you're in now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, next week, we are. Uh, I'm going to share a practice of uh, work. We're sticking to this topic. It's good. There's a lot here, man. There's a a practice that uh, I have employed that has helped in terms of trying to uh, sense uh, a sense of God's peace in the midst of 
decision making. Awesome. I think we all need that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait until then. Uh, go and be the church. <laughs> <laughs>